good evening and welcome. I wanted to say the marriage reform prayer call, but as of today, we have a new name. It's called Relationship Game Changers. And so I'm so excited to announce that to you. We have been using that term each week. Uh, for those of you who are first time on the call, we have been praying for marriages for two years. We started July 1st. 2018. And so this is our two-year anniversary. And what we've been doing over the past two years is praying for kingdom principles in marriage. And kingdom principles are truths that apply to men and women, husbands and wives. And as a result of this, these prayers and the teachings, we have grown uh, a number, I, I would say a number uh, of unmarried, want-to-be-married individuals that rival the number of married folks or husbands or wives that are on the call. And so that tells me that when God is doing something and when truth is involved, it transcends every single relationship that we're in. And so the principles and the truths that we're teaching here, they are applicable on every single level. That's the power and the authority of speaking truth. It transcends. And so we just thank God for all of you who have been with us from the beginning. We celebrate your faithfulness. We thank you uh, for being with us on the ups and the downs. And, you know, as we were gaining traction, you guys stayed on the line, stayed in it, and we have grown and continue to grow as we expand our reach. And one of the reasons we changed it to Relationship Game Changers is because what we realized is that all of us uh, have relationships that God desires us to influence for the sake of the kingdom. And so when we teach kingdom truths, it would apply to everyone regardless of the relationships. And so that's one of the main reasons we've made the change um, to be able to reach more people with the kingdom message uh, uh, because God, God, Jesus came to teach the kingdom. And so we want to reach as many people as possible. And we find that as we've changed the name to relationship game changers, uh, even then it has grown since we have used it. Uh, we've got some things coming down the pipe. We've got a membership, a private Facebook uh, membership group where you can get the inside stuff on relationship game changing the community of people. We'll do some live teachings and questions and answers in there. Um, it's going to be amazing. I mean, it's already happening. And so I'm just excited that, you know, when you find or when you get to this place of convergence, things just seem to happen. But I want you to know that we are deeply, still very deeply committed to marriage. And if you know anything about me, most of my written material uh, is on marriage. The only exception probably would be Face It, my latest book. I think I wrote in 2016 or 17, Face It with Love, The Guide to Conquering Fear. And so uh, we find that that is a tremendous resource for the hour that we're in with all of the fear mongering. But we are committed to marriage. And many of you know that or some of you perhaps know that last year we received a mandate from God to go to every state and stand on the state house steps of the Capitol or as close as we could get to it and declare kingdom marriage. And by that I mean we want to see the ground in every state with the 
truths uh, that transcend gender and husbands and wives so that when it comes up, that we will begin to have marriages and husbands and wives all over this nation declaring the kingdom above everything else. And so that's what our hope is. And so we are seeding the ground in every state. And so Jumping for Joy on July 11th will be in Denver, Colorado. And there will be some on the ground. And then some of us will be on the Zoom call. And we will pray. And usually that takes about 45 minutes. And then on July 25th, we will be in Maryland, D.C., and Virginia doing the same thing, seeding the soil with the Word of God kingdom principles in the area of marriage. And again, some of us will be on the ground and some of us will be on Zoom. If that's something you'd like to take part of, you don't have to be on the ground. You can join us on Zoom. If you will give Amy just a shout out, her her number is 678-754-0867, and she will get you plugged in. Um, My God, God is moving, and he is resetting relationships in this hour. And so our hope is that as we see the ground, that from that will come opportunities to speak to groups, um, women's groups and churches, to speak and teach on kingdom marriage. And so we're laying the groundwork for that. You know, all in preparation for the marriage to the Lamb, because that is our goal. That is, that is, that is the ultimate, to be married to the Lamb. And I have and continue to say that the dressmaker is in the house, and we are being fitted for a wedding gown. And every bride on this line, or, or, or whether you were a bride or a bride or you want to be a bride, every bride, and the guys probably know this too, she knows that she must undress before the gown can be properly fitted. And we are in a season where the Lord is undressing, unveiling, we call it repentance, but exposing that which is in us so that we can be properly fitted and walk in our kingdom authority as the bride of Christ. And so we appreciate all of you. We appreciate you. One other thing, if this is the first time we're on the call for you, generally the format of this call is we do some announcements, as I just did, and then we pray, teach, and then we pray the word that is taught. And so, yes, um, other exciting things happen. As I told you, the membership is coming up. And a couple weeks ago, we put out a a challenge for those that wanted three sessions to a breakthrough coaching, and the response to that has been phenomenal. And last couple of weeks, I've brought you someone to share with you. I mean, I, 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 I just got to tell you, I'm having fun just hosting the presence of God, watching God work with his people and his people come alive. But I don't want you to take my word for it. Um, tonight I asked Tracy, uh, uh, Tracy Leach, uh, she's been working with me, and I've been working with her, and I asked her to come on and just give a one or two minute of what her experience of this, of this uh, three sessions to a breakthrough has been like for her. So, Tracy, if you're on the line, if you'll star six, then we'll be able to hear you. Okay. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Hello. All Thank right. You so Hello, much. Jim. <laughs> How are you? I'm doing well. And right. guys, just um, I, I am. I, I'm really thrilled to be sharing what the Lord is doing 
And I felt like everything that Kim has just said has just kind of set the atmosphere for what God has been doing in my heart for the past couple of weeks. And I don't know about you guys, but talking about uh, you've got to get undressed before you can get fitted for that wedding gown, speaking spiritually here, when when, um, I, I don't personally like to to be undressed just physically my body's not where I'd like for it to be but when but when the Lord shows or reveals a, a stronghold for me it was a stronghold in my heart and it was like standing there naked feeling that shame and feeling that um guilt and and many other things. But here's the thing. What I'm learning is that right there in that moment, when you recognize that you are guilty, when he shines the light in an area in your heart, for me it was a, a stronghold that was hidden. I did not even recognize it. It was something I was sabotaging myself from the life of God operating from my heart. But when he revealed through the coaching, Kim and I talking and the word of God and the spirit of God going deep down into my heart, and he revealed that uh, sin, I stood there before the heavenly host and all the, the, the unseen realm, and I knew I was caught. I knew I was guilty, but the beautiful thing about the Lord is he was my covering, and he clothed me with his love. And I think about the woman that was caught in the adultery. Y'all know that scripture well. And she was caught, and everybody in the town knew it. And, uh, And I would imagine she felt as I did. And but she kept looking at the eyes of the Lord. And what he told her was, where are all your accusers? And so through the coaching, when the Lord revealed a stronghold that was in my heart, it was a root problem that affects all relationships. When he exposed that, I confessed it as sin, and then he covered me with his love. And so through the coaching, I am learning, uh, I thought I knew this already, but what I'm learning to receive that love, and as I submit to him, to truth, then that love expels whatever it was that was binding me. And for me, it was fear, uh, fear of being abandoned, uh, fear of being alone. But what happened was I was sabotaging myself and did not realize it. But I was serving that and suppressing the love of God. But now that's been exposed and eradicated because of his love. And now that, um, that the love of the Lord is just uh, now that he revealed that to me and he covered me with that love in my heart, uh, that's not going to be a problem for me anymore. And I, I just have a feeling that I'm going to see some changes in all my relationships because of that, um, of what he did, dressing me with his love. 
And so anyway, and I thank him. I thank him through the coaching. And so if you haven't done any coaching, and I thought it was weird at first, be honest with you, my head was going tilt. But now that I see hindsight, the Lord was leading me to this very moment because he was wanting to reveal himself to me, and he has, and he still is, and I'm thankful. So thank you, Kim. Well, thank you so much. And, and what Tracy can tell you, she's not a newbie. She's been a Christian for a while. She knows the word of God. And such is the case with many of us. We know the word of God. And um, we're in an hour. You know, I, the one, one lady, I think one lady I was coaching, she said it this way. She said, it's a, it's a, it was a rough flight, but you're a soft landing. And so, you know, just be, you know, going through some of the things that we have hidden for years and things like that. Uh, I tell you what, when the Lord opens it, when he lances it, you can't go back people. Mm-mm. And so I just thank God for Tracy and just, you know, just all of my clients who trust me to go there with them, not to leave them. And I just want to make this point. It's not about taking you back to your past. Jesus doesn't need to take you back Mm-mm. to your past to heal you. The thing is, your only faith you have is for right now in this moment. And so when he needs to heal something that's, that's causing you a problem from your past, then he's responsible for bringing that to the present moment or triggering that thing in you because the only time and only place where your faith registers is in this place called now. So this isn't about taking, mm. your, taking, taking a trip down, you know, looking at all of, your, all of that stuff. Whatever God wants to deal with, he brings it present so it no longer hinders your future. So, Tracy, thank you so much for sharing and just um, – I'm just excited as I just see God setting people free who have been serving him and loving him for years and for some reason just get stuck in this area or just can't go forward. I'm just watching what God is doing and unleashing destiny in them. So, again, thank you so much, Tracy. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Appreciate it. And, uh, Amy, I I thought we have one more spot left for this to close out June, June, is that what it is? Yes, we have one spot left, and otherwise I can put you on the on the waiting list, but we have one spot left for the next uh, two weeks. All right. All right. Well, there you have it, guys. Listen, we're getting fitted. The dressmaker is in the house, and so we cannot ask God to undress what's happening in our nation while we remain closed. The Bible says it begins with the household of God, that we ought to bring ourselves to the light. And so God is creating opportunities, and this just being one of them, where you can come to the light without fear of judgment, receive the love of God, and leave in the authority of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. Well, that said, let's jump into tonight. Father, I just trust you. I thank you because these are your people. This is your word. And, Father, we are assembled here, Lord, and we just ask you tonight for hearing ears, for seeing eyes, and an understanding heart tonight. We pray, God, that you would reveal yourself through your word. Lord, we just thank you because if we can't see you, then we can't follow you. So, Father God, we just lay our expectation upon you tonight that you will reveal yourself that we might align ourselves with you and your word. We thank you for your love. We thank you for pouring it out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. We thank you, Father God. We thank you for your presence, God. 
We thank you that even though our eyes can't see you, our faith senses you. And tonight we hear you with our inner ears. We see you with our inner eyes, and we pay attention to our heart, for out of it flow the issues of life. And so we bless you tonight, God, in Jesus' name. Use all of my humanness, and, Lord, just come and interact with your deity, God. For you said that you put this treasure in an earthen vessel so that the glory of God might be revealed in humanity. And so we bless you for that in Jesus' name. Well, for the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about the relationship between Peter and Jesus. I told you that of all of the disciples, Peter's humanity was on display constantly in relationship with Jesus. In fact, Jesus interacts with Peter's humanity more than any other disciple. And there are so many instances in fact, when Jesus, uh, when, whenever there was a list of the disciples, Simon Peter generally headed the list. When Jesus was uh, addressing his disciples, it was usually Simon Peter that he addressed. If Jesus had a, he had an inner circle of James, John, and Peter, but if Jesus had a best friend, it would have been Peter. He talks more about Peter. He talks more to Peter than any other disciple that we have on record. And so we've been taking a deep dive into this relationship. And what I've been trying to drive home over these past weeks is this. We are spiritual beings learning how to live a human life without hiding behind Scripture, without hiding in religion, without hiding behind our work, without hiding in ministry, without hiding behind our kids and all of the legitimate things we have to do, without hiding behind our titles, our, our, without pretense, without phoniness. It's like, really, who are you if all of these things were removed? Who are you without your money? Who are you without your position? Who are you without your friends? Who are you without that title? And who are you without your house, your car? Who are you without your Bible? Who are you without your Bible? Who are you without your church? And if all these things were removed, what would you look like? O-M-G. What would you look like if you had none of that stuff? How would people see you? How would you sound? We don't often think about that because most of us live life like this. Most of us live life. I said we are spiritual beings learning how to live a human life free from sin. But most of us live life as human beings trying to learn the spiritual life. Most of us live as human beings trying to learn and understand the spiritual life. That is what's going on in our nation. We are interacting and behaving primarily as human beings, trying to discern and understand what the Spirit of God is saying. As opposed to being a spirit being, learning how to live this human life. Wow. So the problem with many of us is that we're trying to live this spiritual life, and we pray Some of us speak in tongues, we confess scripture, we intercede for others. 
And let me be real clear. There's nothing at all wrong with that. I'm not condemning that. Let me say it again. There's nothing wrong with that. The problem is when we engage these things at the same time, we become offended when someone asks us a question or points out a discrepancy between what we're saying and how we're living. It's only a problem when your anger is masquerading as righteous indignation. It's only a problem if you're unable to admit when you're wrong or to ask for forgiveness. It's only a problem when you have to be right all of the time. It's only a problem when you blame others for your unhappiness. It's only a problem. See, your prayers, your intercession, and all of that, it only becomes a problem when you're unable to ask for help or ask or receive from help. If you always are on the giving in, it's a problem because the whole Christian life is a life of receiving and then learning how to live out of what we have received. But many of us think the Christian life is giving and we try to give from something we haven't received. Jesus said it this way. He said, you're able to give love, 1 John four nineteen, because you have first received love. So, so many of us, so you can pray without having received. You can pray. You can speak. You can do all of those things without having received. And you might fool some, but you do not fool the spirit of the living God. It's only a problem when you can't accept advice from someone because you don't think they're qualified to give you advice or you don't think they're qualified to speak into your life. Listen, if a donkey could speak the name, if God wants to use a person on the street who happens to be homeless to deliver his truth to you, who are you or me to tell God who to use to speak to us? So this whole idea, you know, only certain people can speak into my life, uh, we might really want to evaluate where that's coming from. Because when you're seeking and when you're a lover of truth, you will hear it, you will welcome it, and you will receive it no matter the vessel. It's only a problem when you disqualify others based on their external appearance or your, their, your perception of their ability or their knowledge. It's only a problem when you overestimate what you bring to a church, a job, a relationship, or a situation, and you underestimate what God wants to do with you or to you in those situations. I mean, you see it all the time in church. You know, I, I'm guilty that you go to a church, and, boy, you think what you have to give is just, I mean, it's just best things since sliced bread. But then you get into that body, and then the people begin to expose something into you, and now they just don't receive my gift. Well, maybe what God wants to do in you in that moment is greater than what he wants to do through you. But if you're overestimating what you bring to a situation, you'll never be able to receive or you'll have difficulty receiving what God has for you in that situation. And then it's only a problem if you, you know, are just emotionally rigid. Rigid. You just have no emotion. You just numb. 
It's only a problem if you're unable to love others freely as a sovereign act of your will, expecting nothing in return. So there's nothing wrong with any of those things, except if these other things are present, then that's what God wants to deal with us in. And when we don't allow God to deal with us, then we at best are perpetrating. Here's an example. Let me give you this. And I want to share this scripture with you, but let me give you this example. Some of you have had parties for your kids or it might even have been an adult party. And you had these things called, um, they were, they were uh, oh, there's a name for them but they're filled with candy and they're made out of paper mache and you hang them from the ceiling. And the whole goal is you blindfold somebody and they're taking swipes at this thing. And the whole thing is to get that thing to burst. So what's on the inside of it comes out. That is the situation. It's a pinata. Thank you, Amy. It's a pinata and it's made out of paper mache and it's hung high and in it, all these goodies are in it. There's, there's all kinds of candies, candies you like, candies you don't like, but it's all in there. And the goal is to break this thing so that we can see what comes out of this thing. And so we're in a time in our nation, we're in a time in racial relation, in, in race relations, we're in a time in all of these gender things going on. We're in a time where the people of God are getting hit and confronted so that what's in us can be revealed. And what many of us are finding is that what's in us is not necessarily congruent with the things we have said about ourselves or about who we believe. And I believe that the love of God and the mercy of God is not revealing these things to our destruction but so that we can have a change of heart and align ourselves with him so that we can be true through and through. And so tonight I want to zoom in on Jesus and Peter once again in Matthew 16. Before I do that, I want to read one of my favorite children's books just summarizes this whole idea because we're in a time, and you guys have heard the term, I just want to be real. I just want to be authentic. It's your true self. And, I mean, all, I, mean I see some of you smiling. I can't see you, but I know you're smiling because I know you've heard these same things. I'm just transparent. I'm just the real I'm just genuine. And I'm, 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 I'm real. Let me help you with real. Marjorie Williams' book, How Toys Are Made Real, this is a quote from that book, which I believe to be true and consistent with Scripture and consistent in the relationship that I'm going to share with you tonight about or the episode of the relationship that Jesus had with Peter. Here's the quote, and this is the the skin horse talking to the rabbit, the velveteen rabbit, and he says, real isn't how you're made said the skin horse, it's a thing that happens to you. When a child loves you for a long, long time, not just to play with, but really loves you, then you become real. Does it hurt? asked the rabbit. Sometimes, said the skin horse, for he was always truthful. When you are real, You won't mind being hurt. 
Oh, my God. So there are no self-made real people. That a person says I'm real means doesn't really carry a whole lot of weight. To say I'm authentic and I'm transparent because it's not you or me that makes us real. It's other people loving us over a long period of time, and they love the shame out of us. They love the guilt out of us so that we can show up and be the people we are. And that's exactly what Jesus did with Peter over three years. He constantly showed Peter his humanity. He broke Peter so that he, so that Peter, so that he could distribute Peter's humanity working together with his deity to win more people. So when you think about the relationship between Jesus and Peter, Jesus was loving Peter out of shame, out of guilt, breaking him down, revealing to him his humanity. And every time Jesus did, we see a broken Peter. And remember, I said that Simon's name means to listen, to hear. So one of the most um, wonderful parts about Peter is that he listened. No matter how abrupt he was, no matter how much he came out, if it came up, it came out, his name means he listened. So there was something in him that desired to hear, and God made him that way. And then, and then allowed him to live the way he wanted to live, and he kept bringing him back to the way and, and loving him back into the way God had created him. OMG. So you don't make yourself real. Real is something that happens to you through relationship. That's why your relationships are important. That's why having safe relationships, people that love you, and yet people that will tell you the truth. Because if someone is always agreeing with you, mm, you may not need that person because you can agree with yourself. So some of your, your, your better friends, they're gonna, they'll tell you the truth about yourself, but they will also be there after that. And they're not going to leave you. They're not going to walk out. But being real happens when you allow yourself to be loved. And if you have a hard time receiving from other people, it, is, it, it creates a discrepancy in my mind. If you say you have difficulty receiving from other people, but you receive all of this revelation from God. So you, can, you can't receive from him who you can see, but now you want everybody to believe that you can receive from him who you can't see. Hmm. I think there's a scripture about that. For how can you love him who you can't see if you don't love him who you can see? And love is about receiving and giving. It's about receiving and giving. So if you have trouble receiving, please understand, it's not a virtue. It's not a virtue. So when somebody loves you as an independent act of their will, they don't need you, they choose you. You can't buy this person. Your money doesn't control how they interact with you. They will tell you the truth and risk losing relationship, money, whatever it is, because they love you more than any of that. And they're with you, whether you have a little or a lot. 
to share because they love you and they choose you. And they will always choose you or they will choose you because choosing you had nothing to do with what you did for them. This kind of love is truthful and truth hurts sometimes because sometimes in order for God to get to our heart, he has to prick our ego. So with that all said, let me just jump into for a few minutes this scripture because I like to bring it all back. So what was Jesus doing the three years he was with Peter? He was revealing the kingdom. He was revealing his deity, but he was also showing Peter his humanity. Why? Because he wanted Peter to embrace who he was as a human being, not what he thought he was, not what people wanted him to be, but he wanted Peter to deal with the gut-wrenching reality that he was human, that he was frail, that he made mistakes, that he got it wrong, that even though he walked with Jesus and even though this God gave him a revelation of, of Jesus in Matthew 16, even still he was human and that Jesus was there to love Peter constantly, consistently in spite of Peter, and Peter became real. So let's look at Matthew 16, and I want to read from, you can go back and read it, but right before this, Jesus, remember he fed, uh, it was the 4,000. He, he, he had just done a sign where he had fed the 4,000 or the 5,000. I can't remember which it is. And then they were going to the other side. Jesus sent the disciples to the other side, but they had forgot to bring bread. And so Jesus, after he had this encounter with the Pharisees, he had an encounter, and he told the disciples after this, he said, listen, Watch out, guard yourself against the yeast of the Pharisees. But the disciples thought they, he was talking about them not bringing bread. And Jesus basically said to them, look beyond the bread. I'm not talking about the bread. I'm talking about what's in the bread, the yeast, the teaching of the Pharisees. Watch out for the teaching of the Pharisees, the yeast that's in the bread. I'm not talking about the bread that you forgot. Don't go on a guilt trip here. It's human. You forgot. So what? You forgot. This isn't even about you forgetting. What it's about is I'm trying to make a point. Jesus is trying to make a point to his disciples. There's something in the teaching of the Pharisees, the religious folks of that day, that I want you to watch out for. So all of that just took place. And now Jesus is with his disciples by himself, and this is what he said to him in verse 13. When Jesus and his disciples were near the town of Caesarea, which was uh, above uh, north of Galilee, he said, Caesarea Philippi, he asked them, who do, who do people say about the Son of Man? What do people say about the Son of Man? So Jesus was talking about not himself as, as the God aspect, the Son of God. He's saying, who do people say I am, this son of man, this human being? And the disciples in verse 14 said, some say you are John the Baptist or maybe Elijah or Jeremiah or the prophet. Then Jesus said, but who do you say I am? And watch this. Peter, now seeing beyond the flesh, because the Father revealed to him, Peter, Simon Peter spoke up. You are the Messiah, the son of the living God. 
So remember, Jesus just taught them about what was in the bread, not the bread. And then he asked them, who do you say I am? And Simon Peter says, I see your humanity, but I also see the son of the living God. And then Jesus says, Simon, son of John, you are blessed because you didn't discover this on your own. It was shown to you by my father in heaven. So Simon Peter, the human being, got a revelation from the father, which Jesus confirmed, and then he goes on to say, so I will call you Peter, which means rock, and on this rock I will build my church, and death itself will not have power over it. So what was the rock? The rock was the revelation. What was Peter's name? Peter meant rock. So the rock of revelation, the the, 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 the revelation that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, Jesus said, upon this, I'm going to build my church. Upon this truth, upon this revelation, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And then he goes on to this. So he got a revelation, and then Jesus gives this in verse 19. I, so he says, my father revealed this to you, this truth to you, I'm going, to, I'm going to build my church on this truth, and I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. My father just revealed something from heaven. I'm going to build my church on it, and now I'm going to give you the keys to the heaven. I'm going to give you keys to the kingdom of heaven, and God in heaven will allow whatever you allow on earth, but he will not allow anything that you do not allow. There's another translation of that verse that says that I like better than that because I think it really gets the heart of it, and it says, whatsoever you bind on earth has already been bound in heaven, and whatsoever you loose on earth has already been loosed in heaven. So this isn't a free will. You can go walk around, I bind this, I bind that, I bind it. No, we have to find what has already been bound in heaven because that's where our authority is in binding what God has already bound. And so the scripture makes clear to us the things that God binds in heaven. So in verse 20, Jesus told his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. Now here's where we go. Now Peter just got this. They just saw the miracle. Peter just had a fantastic revelation. And you know how you and I are when the Lord reveals something to us? I mean, it is amazing. It's awesome. He was probably on cloud nine because he received a truth, an eternal truth that had implications for right now. And as a result of that, God gave him some keys. God gave the disciples some keys. So he got a revelation, and then he got a key. Sometimes we just get revelation and we have no key. And so we start trying to walk out in the revelation without a key. So the question becomes, when God gives you a revelation, wait for the key. And so then verse 21, now here we go. He's had all that great experience. He's got new authority, got some keys. And then it says, from then on, Jesus began telling his disciples what would happen to him. He said, I must go to Jerusalem. The nation's leaders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law of Moses will make me suffer terribly. I will be killed but three days later, I will rise to life. Verse 22, this is Peter on fire, just receiving revelation, just have been just given keys. This is Peter. Now, he was kind enough 
and at least humble enough to pull Jesus aside. And Peter took Jesus aside and said, told him to stop talking like that. He said, God will never let this happen to you, Lord. Now, please understand, Peter, the human being, Simon, the human, just received something from the Spirit of God. And now, you, I guess Simon knows the Spirit of God now because he just received something. So I guess that means everything that Simon says now is from the Spirit of God because he got this revelation. He has this gift. He has this anointing. So I guess it covers everything right now because Peter is talking to Jesus as if he knows, as if he knows Jesus and as if he knows the Father. And he said, God would never let this happen to you, Lord. Jesus turned to Peter, his friend, his human friend, his human being, his best friend, and said, Satan, get away from me. You're in my way because you think like everyone else, not like God. Another translation, it says, you are thinking like a human being. You are concerned with human concerns, not God's concerns. This is the same Peter that just got a revelation. They've got keys. They just saw Jesus multiply loaves and fishes. This is that same Peter presuming that he knew God and was there now to advise Jesus. Okay, think about it. He was advising Jesus. What presumption. And so Jesus deals with the spirit that was motivating Peter. The revelation that Peter got came from Satan. It didn't come from God. The point, one of the points I want to make to you here is just because God gives us revelation, just because God, we have an anointing and a gift in a particular area, it does not exonerate or alleviate us from being human and susceptible to things that affect human beings. So on the one hand, a few verses earlier, we see the humility of Peter in that he was able to receive revelation. A few verses later, we see the pride of Peter upon that revelation, presuming to advise Jesus of what was, going to, what was not going to happen. But Jesus loved Peter so much that he told him, you're not thinking like God. You're thinking like a man. You're thinking like a human being, and there are aspects of all of us, each of us, where we are still thinking like human beings. Part of the challenge we're seeing in the nation today is because we have many that are thinking as human beings and are preoccupied with human concerns over thinking about things from God's perspective or God's concerns and thinking about things from an eternal perspective because it will require you to choose. But Jesus didn't discount Peter. He just said, look, dude, that you're thinking like everybody else. That's not how I think. On the one occasion when he denied Jesus, the third time he denied Jesus, 
Peter says, Simon Peter says, I don't know him. Now, we all just think that that means that he was physically distancing himself from Peter. But what if it also meant that Peter really didn't know Jesus? Because right here, Peter advising Jesus about what wasn't going to happen and claiming it to be God suggests, by Jesus' own words, that Peter didn't know him. Because if Peter knew Jesus and knew what he was called to do and what would happen, Peter would not have stood in his way. So then the next verse is after that. Then he goes back to the disciples. You know, one of the reasons I love Peter, I'm falling in love with Peter, is this. Because Peter put himself out there at the risk of being corrected. He put himself out there not knowing how Jesus would respond. He put himself out there. And at some level, he knew Jesus loved him. He knew Jesus loved him. And so he was able to take risks. See, when you know your love, you'll take a risk. I think about times in my life when, you know, God was dealing with me about something and and I was ashamed or guilty. And there was a person, or, or God will always have a person who was safe, who could handle my guilt and shame, and who didn't judge me. But as a result of that, I was released, freed. And I'm telling you, this doesn't happen just one time. It's, it, it, it's like um, it's a finished work, but it is a progressive work. It is a finished work. We are in the image of God. We have the divine nature. And this life we're now living, we are learning how to surrender our humanity to God. So if you're going to surrender something to someone, you first have to possess it. So if you have a glass or a cup on the table where you're sitting, and I say, will you hand that to me? Or may I have your life, have that in exchange for this? All of your prayers are not going to get that glass in my hand. All of your speaking in tongues aren't going to get that glass in my hand. All of your fasting are not going to get that glass in my hand. All of your weeping is not going to to get that glass in my hand. All of your prayer vigils are not going to get that glass in my hand. The only way that glass gets in my hand, after you've done all the prayers and come out of your prayer closet, you're going to have to pick that glass up and offer it to me. Jesus gave Peter multiple opportunities to pick up his life and offer it to him, but it was always after he was broken because we don't naturally bring ourselves to the light. It takes a very mature and courageous person. And I would say the people that will bring themselves to the light, I think someone might have been praying this earlier, but that, Father, thank you for your correction. Thank you for revealing my inner man. For you desire me to know truth on our inner man. I'm telling you, people of God, our intellectual ascent to God will not cut it in the day we are. Your words must match your life. Paul said to Titus in 116, 
There are those that profess to know me, but deny me by the way they live. In other words, how they are on the inside is a direct contradiction to who they present themselves on the outside. And the dressmaker is in the house. See, Jesus wanted to dress Peter, but Peter was dressing himself. So when we get to John 21, Jesus says his words that I've been saying to you. When you were young, you dressed yourself and served me the way you wanted to. You said what you wanted to say. You did what you wanted to do, and you had what you had. But now that you're old, you'll stretch out your hands, which is a position of vulnerability, Mm-mm-mm. You'll stretch out your hand, which is a position of vulnerability, which is a position of risking being hurt again. Another will dress you, which means someone other than yourself. Jesus only undresses when he wants to dress. He does not undress people for the sake of undressing people. He's not into exposing people for the sake of exposing people. When you get a tug, when you get an invitation I call conviction, an invitation, it's because Jesus wants to cover something in your life, and he doesn't cover what's already covered. So when Adam and Eve sinned and they took fig leaves, Jesus did not put animal skins over the fig leaves. Skin had to touch skin, and humanity must touch humanity. Why? Because the only, the mechanism, the method, the the method God has used for healing and still is using is human beings. He heals in relationship. There are no private healings, even Paul. When he came to Christ, says he boasted, I didn't go to anybody. I got the revelation all on my own. That's what he said. And then when I met the apostle, apostles, he said, whoa, I'm the least of the apostles because they were with him. They have something I don't. So I am now the least of the apostles because I have revelation, but they have something more than revelation. They walked with him. And then he says, he met the saints and some of the, the uh, for lack of better words, the ordinary people, not necessarily in, in, in a, a position or a, a title, but they were solid through and through. And he says, I'm the least of the saints. These folks have something that I, that I recognize I don't have. This is Paul, wrote half of the New Testament. And then he said, I am the chief sinner. Are you noticing the progression here? He went from knowing everything to knowing a little less than the apostles to not as much as the saints to being the chief sinner. We do it backwards. We go from being chief sinners to knowing just as much as the other saints and then knowing a little less than the apostles, the prophets, and then somehow we get to the place where we are one and we really don't need them because God gave us a revelation. That's how we do it. That's how man does it. But Jesus doesn't. So what did God do with, G, uh, with Peter? What did Jesus do with Peter? He undressed him systematically, not to destroy him, 
but to heal him from the inside out. And we haven't even talked about the boy was on fire after the Holy Ghost fell. Why? Because God had stripped him on his inside. Somehow we think when the Holy Ghost comes that everything that took place before the Holy Ghost is not null and void. If that's the case, my question to you is how come that the Lord, God, the Father, took such pains to show you and I the relationship, the humanity of Peter, Simon Peter, interacting with the deity of God. If all you need is the Holy Spirit, why are we being shown this expose? What is needed now, people of God, are relationship game changers, people that have nothing to hide. What are you hiding? Nothing to prove and nothing to lose because everything they have comes from God. So, Father, in Jesus' name, again, I thank you for revealing the humanity of Peter, that even as he was able to receive revelation from you, we also see that his humanity did not go away. We thank you that you work together with humanity. Let me say this one other thing that comes to me as I'm praying. God gave the earth to human beings, which means that if a spirit, whether it is the Holy Spirit or whether it is a demonic spirit, if it wants to legally operate in the earth, which God gave to man, it needs a human body to conduct business. That's why God just doesn't always intervene when we think he should. When we pray and when we intercede and when we give him back his word, when we declare his word, we are giving him permission. We are giving him the train tracks that he can legally run on in our lives and in this nation to do his will and to do his his good will in this nation. And so, Father, we want to be the human beings that you find residence in, that we can receive of your spirit, that we can receive your love, that we can receive your truth, that you would remove every blockage and every hindrance, God, where your people are constipated because they've been holding on to their own life. When you said in your word, he who seeks to save his life will lose it, but he who is willing to let go of his life will find it, God. And you said, what will a man give up for his soul? What will we give? So, Father, we just thank you tonight. And, Lord, we just offer ourselves to you again, as Peter did over and over and over again. And we welcome your truth. We are lovers of the truth. Lord, we just bind ourselves to your concerns, to your heart, above the human concerns that are happening even in our own lives, in our marriages, our families, our relationships, our churches, and in this nation, God. We lift up the name of Jesus above, Lord, what's happening in this nation racially, what's happening in this with the police, God, what's happening in politics, God. We exalt the name of Jesus Christ, and, Lord, we bring ourselves to the cross of Jesus Christ, and we thank you tonight, God, that an exchange is taking place, 
as, Lord, as we share and offer our humanity and surrender it to you, God, we get to experience more of your divine nature. We get to experience more of your divine authority. Lord, we thank you that it's an exchange, God. Lord, that what we have now is commensurate to what we have given you, Father, of our own lives, God. Oh, Father God, hallelujah. Hallelujah. People of God, you can pray all day long, but if you withhold your soul from him, how will the glory of God, how will the authority of God, how will the divine nature show up and show out through you? He said in the Pharisees, there are those that profess to know me but withhold their heart, their soul, their life from me. Why? Because they like their life more than they like God. They like their title more than they like God. They like their position. They like their possessions. They like their friends. They like their money. What is it that you like? What is it that I like that we'll hold on to? God loves us so much that he loves us by allowing us to see our humanity. What will it take for you to see your humanity and embrace it just like Jesus does? He loves you. The worst part of you and me, the ugliest part of you and me is the part that you hide. That's the most unlovely part of you is the part that you hide. Because therein is your life, whether good or bad. And so we bless you in the name of Jesus. We thank you. Now, Father, make your word plain to your people tonight. We give you all the glory and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Wow. 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 God is good. I pray that you have hearing ears because it's going to take more. It's going to take your life. It's going to have to take everything you are and everything you have. And then the spirit of God to stand against the wiles of the devil in this hour. God is separating a people unto himself by reason of sacrifice. It's in Psalm. And so we're in an hour where God is gathering a remnant, those that aren't afraid to be human, because they know that in their humanity, God's glory, his deity shows up best. So, yeah. I'm excited. So lots of things coming down the pike. If you want coaching three days to a breakthrough, text Amy at 678-754-0867. One more spot. And then if you're still interested, we will put you on the waiting list. If you are on the waiting list when we call, please be ready to go. Amen. What else? One other thing. We've been talking to some of you and um, have decided with the name change, we are going to start at 8 o'clock and be off at 9 o'clock. So I know some of you have asked about that. Can we start a little earlier? Yes and amen. Next week, we will begin at 8 o'clock. So prepare. We'll send out some announcements, um, but we will be on at 8 o'clock Eastern time next week. The replay number for today's call is 605-475-4980.
The access code is 341000-POUND. And the reference code for today's call is 107. Isn't that interesting? So it's the, so, so look, it's July 1st, and this is the 107th call that we're doing. Reverse those numbers, it's 7-1. OMG, I love when God just kisses things. <laughs> I love it when he, you just can't make this stuff up. We just have to pay attention. And so I encourage you so much to do that, to, to do that. We'll be rolling out the Relationship Game Changer membership. Want you to be a part. Take the journey. As always, share this call. If you have been blessed, challenged, changed, transfixed, whatever the case, share the call. It is just share the call. Go on my Facebook page or Relationship Game Changers. Talk about the call. Make a comment. When we hear the word, it's our responsibility to share it. And the quickest way you get something is by sharing it. Because it, because in order to share something, you had to take it. And then you can offer it. So I encourage you to do that in Jesus' name. Amy, come back on and let me know if I missed anything or where we are. If you want to be in Jumping for Joy in Colorado, July 11th, if you want to be on Zoom or on the ground or on the 25th in Maryland, Washington, and D.C., if you will text Amy, 678-754-0867, and she will get you plugged in. Yes. Can you hear me? Yes. Yes, absolutely. If you missed any of that and you want to just um... – find something out, please do text me. I am always available by text. Again, that's 678-754-0867. And I just want to say, if you've been on the call with us for the last couple years, that means that you have prayed over 107 hours of us just being together. And so thank you, thank you for your time, for your dedication, for your faithfulness. I specifically just want to thank BJ and Pam and Patsy and Richard and Nubby and Lynn and Donna and Natalia and Melody and Chris and Brenda and Veronica and all of you who have been on um, the last couple of years. We love you and we appreciate you and we partner with you. And I know that God is growing your ministries just as we've been connected. So we just love you so very, very much. And, again, if you have any questions or just anything at all, feel free to text me. All right. Well, we love you guys, and we will see you on the call next week. God bless you.